Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. This is the post-game podcast. The Timberwolves won their fourth consecutive game on Monday night by beating the Miami Heat by four. Yes, the Heat were short-handed, but this was still a good win for Minnesota. There's absolutely some things we could take away this game positively, including how the Wolves finally were able to start beating his own defense and also Carlton Towns near triple-double. We'll break it all down on the show here today. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash LockdownNBA. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is the post-game podcast. We're going to talk all things Wolves heat from Monday night. First, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Also, a reminder about the new Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can watch this show as well as all the other fantastic Lockdown Minnesota programs on your Roku or on your Amazon Fire TV. Just download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today. All right, uh, this is the post-game podcast. So we're going to talk Wolves Heat. And there's plenty to get to in this game. I mean, like setting this up, if you missed the game or even if you didn't just set it like to be clear here, the Wolves were playing a shorthanded team. No Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero, no Duncan Robinson, no, um, you know, several other rotation players for the Heat. They only had eight guys that actually played in this game for uh, for the Miami Heat. And yes, two of them were Kyle Lowry and Bam Adebayo. So, you know, two of their best three or four players, certainly uh, two of their best three players did play, but there was no depth to this team, right? They played seven guys in an overtime loss on Friday. They were beat pretty handily by Cleveland the night before. So also on the second night of a road back-to-back. At the same time, they had two of their best three players. And this is one of the league's best coached teams. They're one of the league's best defensive teams. They were fantastic defensively last year. And uh, they've still been playing teams uh, outside of the Cleveland game on Sunday. They've been playing teams tough lately. So this wasn't Probably never should have been considered a complete walk in the park. I mean, the Wolves were nine-point favorites over at our friends at BetOnline.net, um, so it should have been an it should have been a win, right? It wasn't nearly as comfortable as one might have thought coming into it. The Heat were up three at the end of the first quarter. The Heat were up thirteen at halftime. The Wolves only scored seventeen points in the second quarter and needed a monster third quarter to uh, to even take the slightest of leads going to the fourth quarter. I think they were up five going to the fourth and. Um, the, it was just a close game down the stretch. My biggest takeaways from this one, I always like to start with, with like, if, if I had, you know, just a couple minutes to tell you what you need to know from this game, here's what I want to talk about. So on the one hand, the Wolves have now won four consecutive games against teams they should have beaten and shorthanded teams, Cleveland with no Donovan Mitchell, with no Jared Allen, Orlando with no Paolo Bancaro, among others, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. And um, whoever they just beat, uh, Philly, they had Embiid, but no Jimmy Butler, or excuse me, not Jimmy Butler. No Jimmy Butler's at the Heat. Used to play for the Sixers. 
you know what I mean? Uh, no, no James Harden, no Terry's Maxey, no Tobias Harris. So plenty of shorthanded wins these last four games. Yes. This one felt a little bit different for all the reasons I said earlier, the heat are arguably the best coach team among that group. Um, they're probably the best defensive team among that group. Uh, all things considered, they did have two of their three best players, even if the bench depth wasn't there. But also because this game, the Wolves actually did fall behind, and, and it was of their own doing, and we'll talk more about that. They were down 15. They're down 13 at halftime. Ultimately, uh, their biggest deficit was 15. But they pushed back in the third quarter, which was the opposite of what we've been seeing so much lately, right? Usually the Wolves are building the lead and then having a terrible third quarter. I think they've only had a net positive third quarter two or three games this season out of 17 games. They're usually miserable in the third quarter. But they flipped that script, pushed back in the third did all the things they didn't do right in the first half and then still won the close game down the stretch. I talked the other day about possibly, just maybe, winning these close games, even if it's against Orlando on a Wednesday, which I guess that ended up being a blowout, but it wasn't, it was close-ish early in the fourth quarter. Or even if it's against a severely shorthanded Sixers team, which was their first one-possession win, first one-possession final score the other night in Philly on Saturday. I talked about how those wins could serve them positively later in the season when they start to build some confidence in these close late situations. But in this game, they got both ends of it, right? They got the, okay, we had a terrible half. We're down 13 to a severely shorthanded team. Let's build a comeback and then let's sustain instead of using all of our energy to get back into the game. Now they're only down 15, so they didn't you know, dig themselves a 25 point hole, but they were down 15. They got back into it. They took their lead and then the heat didn't go away either. This stayed a close game, and the Wolves still got that close late experience. They had a couple strong defensive possessions. They made some clutch free throws down the stretch. They executed for the most part late in the game, which they did enough in Philly on Saturday and going back to Cleveland last Sunday, kind of the same thing. Um, This maybe kind of sort of was the best of both worlds. Yes, it would be great if the Wolves could jump on one of these teams. Like, don't get me wrong. The Wolves, it would have been great if the Wolves had won this game by 20 and, you know, just felt really good about it. But this felt a little bit better because that push came in the third. They held on at the end. They got the, you know, they they played well against, you know, some strong offensive players in Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, um, and again, a well-coached team. And and the Wolves did did all of those, you know, right things in the third quarter and enough right things in the fourth quarter to win. Um, So similar outcome, you know, you look at this and you go, ah, they, they beat a shorthanded team barely. They had done that four times in a row. Sure. But this one felt a little bit different for those reasons. The second piece of this is what went wrong in the first half. Two things. Energy, which has been the number one issue for this team all season. If somebody hadn't watched the Wolves at all, you'd say, oh, the Rudy experiment's not working. That's what's that's what the issue is. Well, sure, that plays into it somewhere in terms of, but you know, what's that calculus look like? What what's the um what are the the more less obvious, less tangible issues, right? They just don't play hard enough, which is a little bit scary. Like what's the old, what's the thing you want to say about an athlete or about anybody in any line of work? You'd rather say, whoa, than giddy up, right? You'd rather try and slow someone down because they're, you know, they've got Josh Akogi's energy, for instance, former Timberwolf, than tell someone like, hey, you need, you need to get going, which is the concern with Andrew Wiggins. It was a concern with Anthony Edwards coming out of college. We've seen a little bit more of that this year where not locked in all the time. That's a problem, yes. But it's also something that like 
if this team can get a taste of like, hey, we've won four in a row. This is fun. What have we done differently? Oh, we've played harder because that's the biggest thing, right? That was the biggest thing in the second half of this game. If this team can get a taste of winning and can realize that like, hey, this is the difference. Can they flip that switch earlier? Can they flip that switch more often? Can that switch stay on? I don't know, 80% of the time, right? That's so much of the battle was energy. And Mike Honori said this at halftime in the in the interview with Katie Storm on, on Valley Sports North. The Wolves assistant Mike Honori talked about like, like, hey, we just we just gotta beat them to loose balls. We gotta rebound. We gotta clear defensive rebounds. All issues that this team has had throughout the season. The second thing is offensive execution against the zone. I talked about this after the Philly game Saturday on the live postcast with Marnie. I talked about it on Monday's show. The execution against the zone is so miserable. And like Doc Rivers did a great job in Philadelphia on Saturday night of mixing in the zone to trip up the Wolves. He did it just enough. And at just the right times, he pushed the right buttons, pulled the right levers to make the Wolves kind of come back down to earth against Philly and allow the Sixers to stay in that game, a shorthanded Sixers team. Similar thing in this game, but the Heat were able to just exclusively play zone for a stretch, which is insane. Uh, like the whole reason NBA teams can't play zone. And if you want to know why NBA teams can't play zone all the time, like there's some college teams that exclusively play zone. There's high school teams that exclusively play zone. The reason why you can't do that in the NBA is beating his own isn't that hard. You just have to pass the ball crisply, not commit silly turnovers, not throw the ball out of bounds on a skip pass, and knock down open shots. Those are all things the Wolves could not do in the first half of this game, first half and some of the third quarter. As soon as the Wolves started making open threes, completing passes, passing the ball crisply, making quick decisions, smart passes, they started beating the zone and the Heat could not play the zone consistently. It's the perfect example of why NBA teams can't play a ton of zone. They could really only use it as a changeup because these are all NBA level basketball players and athletes. Make the simple passes, do it quickly, make quick decisions and knock down open shots. The Wolves finally started doing that and demonstrated exactly why it can only be used as a changeup at the NBA level. And hopefully... And Mike and Nora said, Nori said this at halftime too. The Wolves just have to make open shots. That was the third piece of this, right? Energy offensive execution and making open shots. And all those things improved in the second half. The Wolves, well, we'll talk more about shooting here in a minute. There's, there's a lot more to get to. I've got three, four more takeaways before we get to individual studs and duds. So we're going to do all that here next. First though, let's talk about, uh, or today's episode, I should say, is brought to us by our friends over at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, the UK, and Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip, get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday, and find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. You could also test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com.
Thanks again for making Locked On Wolves your first listen today. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, Additional takeaways from this game. I mentioned shooting. Like, there's not much else to say about this other than the Wolves missed a ton of shots early, although I thought this was particularly intriguing. The Wolves started this game 3 of 25 from three-point range. 3 of 25. So that that bleeds in. I think there was 3 of 24 at halftime. They missed their first attempt of the third. I think Towns missed it. 3 of 25 from three-point range. They finished this game 14 of 47. That means that they went 11 for 22. They made 11 of their final 22 shots. So they started three of 25 and then made 50% of their shots the rest of the way to finish the game at 29.8%. So 30% from three. Um, The fact the Wolves were only down 13 after shooting three for 25 from three-point range of the first half is actually a minor miracle. And then Jordan McLaughlin, Jaden McDaniels, perhaps maybe the two most unlikely heroes when it comes to getting the Wolves out of their three-point shooting rut but that's exactly what it was. Um, Ants and Cat were both high-volume three-point shooters in this game, but without success. The only player besides Anthony Edwards to make more than two three-pointers in this game, the only players besides Ant to make more than two threes in this game were Jordan McLaughlin and Jane McDaniels. And they did a ton of their damage in the third quarter. I believe J-Mac hit three of his four in the third, and Jordan, uh, Jane McDaniels hit two of his three in the third, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that was huge. Which, by the way... Let's just talk about the bench unit now. Jordan McLaughlin was phenomenal. Um, So much so he got a standing ovation when he left the game for a break in the fourth quarter. He was really, really good. He came into the game shooting 12.5% on three-pointers and went four of five from outside the arc in this game. Uh, It really orchestrated the offense well. Had 12 points, three assists, and two steals in 16 minutes. Zero turnovers per usual for Jordan McLaughlin. And uh, it wasn't just him. I mean, Torian Prince press, was pressed into some extra minutes because Kyle Anderson missed the game with back spasms again. Um, and then also Carl Anthony Towns in foul trouble. So Nas Reed played 16 minutes, but we saw Prince at the foursome as well uh, because of Towns' foul trouble. And Rudy was in a little bit as well. And and just, we'll talk more about him in a minute. Uh, but good bench game overall. And, and oh, I should also say Jalen Noel. Um, I mentioned this on the postcast with Marnie Gellner. Uh, this was one of the rare games where Jalen didn't do much offensively. Like in the scoring column, he had five points on seven shots, super inefficient, missed all four of his three-point opportunities, but it actually felt like he played a really good game. He made some smart decisions. He had an and one opportunity. I thought he played well defensively, closed out well on shooters, um, had a couple of assists. Like he only played nine minutes and didn't shoot the ball well, but overall as a bench unit, like everyone that came off the bench, I thought played well. Nas had a really rough plus minus. So if you glance at the box score, it's ugly. I didn't think he played that poorly. Um, That's, you know, pretty noisy when you've got what nobody else on the team even had a, a plus minus of worse than minus two. This is so crazy. This is, this is one of the reasons why that stat is just insane after one game. I just think this is really funny. D'Lo had a minus two. The only other Timberwolf with a negative plus minus was Nas Reed had a minus 25. But in this particular game, I think that had just as much to do with how good Carl Anthony Towns was and how mediocre Rudy Gobert was that the Towns Nas minutes were very good. The Rudy Nas minutes were not. And when Towns was on the floor, the Wolves were great. I mean, he was a plus 14. That that says just as much to me about how good Towns was 
as it would how poorly Nas played, because I didn't think Nas actually played all that terribly in this game. Um, at any rate, the whole point about that was the bench. I thought the bench played well. Um, Rudy Gobert. So he didn't have a single shot attempt in this game. Marnie Gellner on the live postcast, which again, we do uh, after every single Wolves game. You can find it if you're listening on audio right now, whatever platform. The previous episode is the postcast I did with Marnie. If you're on YouTube, you can go over to Lockdown Sports Minnesota and watch the postcast that we did uh, last night. But Marnie had dug up uh, with the Valley Sports North crew that the last time Rudy had zero field goal attempts in a game was his rookie season when he wasn't even a regular rotation player for the Jazz. So like eight years ago or whatever, zero field goal attempts. I thought he should have had one. Actually, there was a tip-in opportunity in the fourth quarter. They didn't credit him with an attempt. I thought it was an attempt. Um, but then he, and he didn't even have a free throw attempt until the final two minutes of the game. After Carl Anthony Towns fouls out with about a minute and a half left, Rudy gets to the line twice and stretches the Wolves lead back to, uh, I think once he hit two free throws and they were up one to stretch the lead back to three. And then later after the heat scored again, he hit two free throws again to stretch the lead back to four to a two possession game. The biggest four free throws of the night, Rudy, after not having shot shot the ball from the field all game or from the line, hits all four of them, a mediocre free throw shooter as it is, and only has four points, nine rebounds, and a couple blocks and a steal on the night. Um, which, by the way, I actually didn't think he played very well defensively either in this game. Um, I, I thought there were some pretty poor, weak attempts at rim defense by Rudy, like just calling it how I see it. Uh, now, certainly his presence deters people, and I think that him just being there and uh, even some plays where he altered shots and, and didn't get credited with the block, those still existed, so this wasn't like an atrocious game by Rudy. It just it just wasn't a, um, it wasn't a great Rudy Gobert game. And offensively, like he didn't get as involved because of how much zone the Heat were playing. That was a big part of it, um, and Cat was just kind of allowed to, to go to town, and Ant tried to do the same. Um, but just a really blah performance for Rudy. This is also the time though, I should mention, uh, for what it's worth, this stat, uh, tweeted out by Alan Horton, the Wolves, fantastic play-by-play host. And, um, uh, he credited super stats, Dave, the radio stats guy, uh, super stats, Dave on Twitter, who does a great, awesome stats guy, by the way. Uh, I'll just read the tweet. It says, when Towns and Gobert were on the floor together tonight in just over 18 minutes, 18 minutes, 10 seconds, the Wolves were a plus 15 in the heat shot, just 32% from the field. And the other 29.50, so the other 29.50 when not both Towns and Gobert were together, the Wolves were outscored 70 to 59. They were a minus 11 and the heat shot 43% from the field. So um, that tweet would, would, uh, suggest that maybe I'm off base with saying Rudy didn't play that great defensively overall, but I think it's as much his deterrence as anything else. And also Towns played hard. There were a couple of really good defensive positions from Carl possessions, I should say, from Carl Anthony Towns that we don't always see. So I don't want to lose sight of that either. We'll talk more about Towns in the last segment, but I thought he played a strong all-around game for sure. My last thing here before we get to individual studs and duds is Anthony Edwards defensively was miserable for much of this game. The off the ball defense continues to be atrocious for Ant. Got beat on backdoor twice. I think these were both early in the third quarter before he got mad, got the technical and then got the big block on Struess and then had the step back three. And like all of a sudden stuff was going crazy. But before that, Ant was really struggling defensively. And the bigger thing to me, I don't know if it's bigger, but every bit as much as getting beat backdoor and having just bad off ball possessions where he falls asleep 
is the lack of rebounding. I know he finished with seven rebounds. That looks great. But if you go back and watch all of the Heat offensive rebounds in this game, and they had 12 of them. They had 12 offensive rebounds. Miami did. How many of those was Anthony Edwards getting beat on? I would say a decent chunk of them. Ant was simply just beat to the basketball. Um, And he's not the only one, right? He's not the only guy out there rebounding. But there were two or three for sure where he was the closest Wolves player, didn't put a body in anyone and just kind of assumed that he could grab the ball. And, you know, fill in the blank heat player just hustled after the ball and beat him to it. Ant has to improve as a defensive rebounder. Just has to. Um, Like... It's it's inexcusable with his size, with his athleticism, with his intelligence, with his basketball IQ, all of those things. It, it's it's right in line with his defensive, you know, lapses in terms of off ball defense. It just needs to get better for Anthony Edwards. Um, and as a team, that continues to be an issue. Giving up twelve offensive rebounds to the Heat, who are a good offensive rebounding team, but still um, something the Wolves the Wolves have to shore up. All right, uh, before we get to individual studs and duds, let's talk about our friends. Uh, over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's almost the end of the end of the year, I should say. We've got what, like five weeks? It's Thanksgiving is this week, five weeks left in the calendar year. It's the perfect time to go out there and hire Super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. You simply add your job and then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockdownNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockdownNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so recapping the key takeaways from this one, number one thing is all the issues in the first half, the energy, stick to playing hard, et cetera, the offensive execution versus the zone, and then just making open shots. All those things flipped and were much better in the second half. The Wolves finally put a complete third quarter, put up 37 points, and uh, corrected the correctable from the first half. Beyond that, uh, Anthony Edwards' miserable defensive performance but had a really nice streak offensively in the third quarter that helped the Wolves get over the hump. The bench had a big hand in that, especially Jordan McLaughlin, but also Torian Prince. Nazarita was good. Um, Jalen Noel was solid. Rudy Gobert, no field goal attempts in this game. Uh, didn't shoot the ball at all, field goal or free throw, until the final two minutes and hit big four big free throws down the stretch to give the Wolves the win. Carlton Towns, uh, didn't even talk much about him, but we'll start here with individual studs and duds. Cat gets a stud for this game. He had 20 first half points and only five in the second half. So yes, second half was rough. He also fouled out of this game, but he was so good in the first half. And I still think played well in the second half. Yes, and Marnie and I talked about this on the postcast. The stray voltage, as Chris Finch has called it in the past, cropped up again. We had the six personal fouls, the complaints about the fouls. That all happened. It wasn't great. He got a technical in this game, which we haven't seen in a little while from Cap. But it was still a good second half. I thought he played fine. 
Uh, 25 points and 8 of 15 shooting, so better than 50% from the field. 2 of 8 outside the arc. That means he was 6 of 7 on two-point attempts. Carl Anthony Towns was 7 of 8 at the line. 9 assists and 8 rebounds. So a near triple-double. 25, 9 assists, 8 rebounds, a block and a steal, 3 turnovers for Cat, and a plus 14 in the plus-minus column. I thought this was a good performance, um, and I don't want to get too hung up on the other stuff. I said this to Marnie on the postcast. Felt like a classic Cat game, right? You know, this year he's been distributing more Lower, a little bit lower usage, less complaining, less fouls in general. And this was a lot more like what we would have seen from last year, although he still got the nine assists, but um, just kind of a, a throwback cat performance, if you will. Another stud, Jane McDaniels, haven't mentioned him at all yet, um, other than very briefly regarding his three-pointers in the third quarter. He was fantastic and kind of an unsung hero. At times, he was matched up with Kyle Lowry. At times, he was matched up with, matched up with Max Struess in this game. Um, bothered Struess, part of bothering him into four fifteen shooting from three and four turnovers in this game, uh, plus a technical foul from Struess as well. Lowry turned it over four times as well. Uh, Jane McDaniels had a lot to do with that. He was really good. 18 points, seven of 14 shooting, three of six at the line, four rebounds, three assists, only two turnovers was a team high plus 18 and the plus minus column. Really strong performance from big J-Mac in this game. The third stud for me has to be Jordan McLaughlin. 12 points, three assists, two steals, four or five from the floor. All of those attempts were three-pointers. The Heat were clearly content with allowing J-Mac, little J-Mac, and his 12.5% three-point shooting coming into the game. They were content to let him fire from three, and I understand why, but uh, he's a better three-point shooter than 12%. Now, I know he scuffled a little bit from out there last year. He was like 33-ish percent, but the year prior to last, he was nearly, he was a little above league average. He can make threes when he's open, and he finally did that in this one. Um, again, four or five from the field, three assists, two steals, no turnovers in 16 minutes, so he is the third stud in this one. Duds in this game, easy call. D'Angelo Russell, bad game for D'Lo, very quiet. Uh, I guess the nicest thing I could say is he didn't force it in this game, right? He didn't uh, He didn't force the issue when he wasn't getting shots up and wasn't making the shots he attempted. His only make... What, from the field was a baseline jumper. I think after an offensive rebound, the ball found its way back out to D'Lo. This is a big shot late in the fourth when the Heat were hanging around and he knocked it down. He had three points on one of five shooting, missed all four of his three-point attempts, one of one at the line. I believe he, um, he shoot a technical free throw. I don't even know when he got that free throw attempt because it wasn't an and one that he made. Three points, five assists, three rebounds, one steal, one block, no turnovers. So like he wasn't actively bad in this game. He was just very quiet and missed all his open three-point attempts. Um, so he's going to get a dud. I don't really have another, like this wasn't a good Rudy game, but like, again, the numbers with him and Towns together weren't bad. He hit those free throws down the stretch. He still had the nine rebounds, two two blocks, only one turnover. Um, had a nice steal to really active hands um, in, in a... Uh, kind of created a, a transition opportunity for the Wolves with active hands. So not a very good Rudy game. And obviously you're not paying this guy max money to shoot the ball zero times. I, I get that. Um, and there's still clunkiness clearly. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, those four free throws were huge. He was solid enough defensively. Like I'm not going to get too worked up about the zero field goal attempts. Uh, our friend David Locke, of course, uh, who runs the Lockdown Network and is the host of Lockdown Jazz tweeted out after the game, that Rudy actually earlier in the day that Rudy is averaging 12 screens set less, or excuse me, 10 less screen set per game this year than he did with the jazz last season. That doesn't surprise me. The wolves aren't running a lot of straight pick and roll like what Rudy did with Donovan Mitchell in Utah. 
Um, and then also uh, was commenting on Rudy's zero field goal attempts uh, in the game for the Wolves against the Heat, which like, hey, it's weird, right? I mean, it, it's it's weird, but there, I mean, D'Angelo Russell only had five field goal attempts, right? Jaden McDaniels was third on the team with 14 field goal attempts in this game. The, the Wolves are a weird team right now. Like, I don't know. Maybe I should have just said that and left it at that for the podcast tonight. The Wolves are a very weird team. There's no question about that. Okay, uh, that's all we have on the show here tonight. And uh, looking ahead, the Wolves are in Indiana. They go right back out on the road to take on the Pacers, who are winners of, I believe, five straight now. They beat the Magic for a second consecutive time on Monday. So a hot Pacers team, but certainly a winnable game. I'll be curious to see what the line looks like. We'll talk about that on on Wednesday's show as we preview that matchup, Wolves-Pacers, on Thanksgiving Eve, Wednesday evening. And then Friday night at Charlotte. That's a weird 4 p.m. Central start time, the Black Friday the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, Of course, we'll do... Live postcast after the Pacers game Wednesday, just like we do every night. And then Thursday show, we will have a Thanksgiving Day show that talks about Wolves Pacers from Wednesday night. And then we'll skip the show Friday morning, but we'll do the live postcast after Wolves Hornets. And uh, that will be, that'll get you through your Thanksgiving weekend before Wolves Warriors on Sunday afternoon. A weird time there too. So all that upcoming this week. Um, a big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, you can find this show anywhere you listen to podcasts as well as all of your favorite, um, or I should say, anywhere you listen to podcasts as well as YouTube. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. You can download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Roku app or the Amazon Fire TV app to watch this show and all the other Lockdown Minnesota podcasts. Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Of course, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And a reminder that for your second listen, you can listen to the Lockdown Today, the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.